It's episode 52 of the Catfish and Ice podcast, presented by DraftKings, and we are part of the Hockey Podcast Network. This is Chad Minton with Rich Howe and Colin Bluen. We are right in the middle of the Preds offseason, but we are watching some Stanley Cup playoffs right now. We've got the Final Four, and we're all into it with that. Uh, Tampa Bay and New York Islanders, and of course Vegas and Montreal, we're all in on it. We just came out of a really busy sports weekend in general. There's a lot going on. It's great to have sports back. Uh, Rich and uh, Colin, how, how, how was your weekend? How was your sport weekends? Uh, what all did you? Uh, what were you into? Well, for me, you know, it's it's Phoenix Suns. So that was uh, that was all. It was a good weekend for me. I know. Right. Hey, we're on a streak, man. Eight games in a row. And for, for those who don't know, I mean, the Phoenix Suns have not been relevant for more than a decade. So to see us go on this run and play the way we're playing, I'm just, I'm loving it. It's It's got some very 2017 vibes. Every game's just so, yeah. Yeah, there's just so much it's energy awesome. to it. So, it's a great yeah. story to watch. It really is. Oh, yeah. And the story of being behind Monty Williams, our head coach, he, it's really cool. He, him and Chris Paul, it's, it's been unfortunate. Chris Paul's in COVID protocols. We're hoping to get him back in too. But uh, for those that don't know, Monty Williams lost his wife in a car accident. Mm-hmm. Um, she was hit by a drunk driver, and he actually ended up get for he forgave the drunk driver at her funeral. But Chris Paul was with him throughout that process, uh, was with him at the funeral for his wife, and they've really come up together. He's got a really emotional and really just a powerful story. Um, just a great leader, and so it's good. It's a it's good from an emotional standpoint. And then that's my team. I've been through thick and thin. I've always mm-hmm. claimed them, even when they're really really bad. I'm talking like 18 games out of a 82 game season. Uh, bad, but you know, yeah. I, I'm, I'm proud to see them finally doing some work. That's awesome. It's, it's a sad story, but that's awesome to see what comes out of it. Oh, yeah. And uh, the Suns are a very easy team to cheer for. Uh, yeah. I've been following them. I, I told you, Colin, in, in a previous episode, can I jump on the bandwagon? Is there room for me? And I, I, I found I found myself a seat on this bandwagon, and they are a fun team to watch. And like, I'm not an NBA expert by any means. Want to put that full disclosure, but uh, they are a very complete team, and they yeah. are like I really don't know who's going to be able to beat them. We'll see, but uh, they're a fun team to watch, and so I'm really excited for you, Colin, that you get to see it, see a team that struggled for so long be in this spot. So I'm happy for you in that moment. We're uh, we're all cheering for the Suns. Uh, Rich, what were you into? How was your weekend, man? It was good. I watched uh, obviously the hot the hockey games, and then. Watched uh, a little bit of IndyCar on Sunday. Okay, yeah, that's always fun, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, uh, NASCAR, happy belated Father's Day, Rich. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, I got to get that Father's Day to you, Rich. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you, you guys, too, you've got pets, so you're kind of like – We've got pets. We've got pets, but it's not the same thing. It's yeah. not the same. I know. I'm just so, – uh, I just we can't claim them. That. Can't claim them our taxes. I've tried, but they don't. We they don't yeah, yeah, yeah. some taxes. But uh, <laughs> yes, Happy Father's Day to you, Rich, for Thank sure. You. Uh, and I uh, hope you had a really good weekend and uh, up there in Louisville. And good. it was a it was a very busy sports weekend. I, I feel like it was one of the busiest uh, sports weekends in general that we've had in a very long time. You had the U.S. Open, of course. You had the NBA playoffs, of course. You had the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, you had. Uh, let's talk about this. We're gonna get into it. We're gonna talk about our overall reaction from what's going on in the playoffs right now uh, in the Stanley Cup playoffs. But we got to talk about what happened with Flurry and that mm-hmm. debacle he had. Uh, we love Flurry. He's the most one of the most likable goaltenders outside of Pecorino. 
Uh, let me put that out there. But uh, he, had a, he had a gaffe there. Uh, a lot of people are cheering against the Vegas Golden Knights, and I totally get it. I'm right there with you. But we need to talk about that. We need to talk about what's going on right now with Tampa Bay and uh, the New York Islanders. That series was tied 2-2 two to two going into tonight's episode. And uh, looking looking pretty rough right now. But we're going to talk about that. We yeah. have to reveal the rest of our all-time Preds lineup when it comes to the defensemen. So we're going to give you six defensemen, the top three pairings, of course. We're going to reveal that. Go back and listen to episode 51 where we uh, did our uh, – our top forwards, our top four lines. Uh, we all kind of disagreed a lot on how we did our our uh, top four lines. We had a lot of the same players, but we had them in different spots. So uh, go listen to that episode. That was our that was last week's episode. And then we got we got some quick hitters. We got some stuff we're going to get into really quick uh, towards the end of the episode. We're going to talk about uh, John Hines and how he got some votes in the Jack Adams race, and that that sparked a lot of discussion on uh, Twitter because a lot of people were like, how did this guy get any votes compared to some of these other people, including Barry Trotz, who didn't get hardly any votes. I don't know how that's even possible, but we're going to talk about that a little bit. And then we're also going to reveal some prospects in the Pred system right now that we would love to see take the next step uh, in 2021-22 season. Just kind of looking at it. From the uh, from way out in the offseason, some guys that we want to see maybe take a leap forward. Doesn't even have to be necessarily on the NHL roster, but maybe they can make a jump forward in Milwaukee. We're very excited to see the Milwaukee Admirals get a, uh, get back to playing because uh, yeah. they didn't get to play last season. So the AHL season, we're back to normal again. Can't wait to see the Milwaukee Admirals back on the ice. And so we've got a lot to be excited about, even though we're kind of in the uh, dead part of the calendar when it comes to uh, the Preds offseason. So, of course, we are presented by DraftKings. Go get the DraftKings Sportsbook app. And, of course, if you haven't done so already, go ahead and use our promo code THPN right now. And we've got an awesome offer. The DraftKings Sportsbook app has an awesome offer right now regarding the NBA playoffs. And regarding, you can go ahead and bet on Collins Phoenix Suns right now. All you got to do is throw a dollar out there. A dollar. One dollar. One dollar. That's all it takes. Sign up on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use THPN as your promo code. And guess what? You can win $100 in free site credits. Uh, Bet on the basketball team of your choice to win their next game. And if they do, you will claim $100 in free credits. That's promo code THPN. For a limited time only at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Must be 21 years or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania. New customers only. Wagers paid out in in site credits. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. And, of course, it's safe, secure, and reliable. You can, you can withdraw your winnings instantly. It's a really awesome app. I've used it myself. I love it. It's fun. Uh, and it's great. And you can do the Daily Fantasy as well. And so if you're not into the actual betting, you can do your lineups and all that good stuff as well. Before we get into this serious hockey talk here, I got to say something else about your Phoenix Suns. This Suns in four guy is sweeping social media right now. Oh, man. Oh, my gosh. This guy is like all over. And if no, let's put it around. Then we're going to let Colin kind of like elaborate on it. But uh, so basically – 
you know, you see these viral videos in the stands all the time. You see it in all the sports where fans drink, probably drink a little too much in the stands. They get a little too uh, excited about their team. They almost feel like they're part of the team. I get it. Uh, you see it at every, uh, you see it at every sporting event. You've probably seen it at Bridgestone Arena if you've been into Preds games. It happens, and uh, you see the video, and you see some some Nuggets fans kind of like going at this Suns fan, and the Suns fan like they get in this little tussle. Suns fan like gets him in what really was like a hockey move, and like does these uppercuts. The two Nuggets fans go running off. I'm kind of like paraphrasing this, but the two Nuggets fans go running up off, running up off the steps. The best part about this that really made this viral is the guy yells "Sons and four, Sons and four, like, like, no, no uh, qualms about it. He's just like nonchalant, and of course the Suns one and four, and so now it's like sweeping social media right now, and uh, so, we need some swagger like yeah. that back in. We need some swagger. Back in the pre- – I'm not saying go and start fights. No. I'm not saying that. But well, I was the swagger say, there, with this guy is awesome. There's a lot of context to it. So, for one thing, he was he was in Denver, so that was another part of it. But yeah. the, they, if they showed the long video, he actually – he wasn't – I mean, he was being a Suns fan, and he was cheering yeah. on the Suns. And, like, at this point, it's a blowout – or not a blowout, but we pulled ahead enough where I think we had, like, a 20-point lead at the time because um, they stopped the game like the, the the players took notice of what was happening up in the stands oh, but yeah. what precipitated this is the nuggets fan like the guy was just cheering on the team he was staying he was facing the court cheering on the team wasn't even john with the guys behind him that he got ended up, got, ended up getting in a fight with the guy the nuggets fan behind him dumped a beer on him oh my gosh and so that's when the guy turned around and pushed him away and before like it could really break out, people were trying to break him up. And so the Nuggets fans are trying to like walk away. The guy turns back around to watch the game and just like, you know, whatever. Like those guys are leaving. The guy comes back and tries to get a cheap shot in. And that's mm-hmm. when the guy then the Suns fan catches him, brings him down. It was like a hockey move, pulled him by the back of the jersey and just starts uppercutting. And then, mm-hmm. you know, the guy like you know, tries to walk away. His other friend tries to get one in, and he punches yeah. his other friend we're not, while he's while he's holding his other friend. We're not. I'll, I'll get we're to not condoning fighting. Violence. No, yeah. but but he was defending himself, and I and yes. I, I appreciate that, especially after the fact that like he didn't instigate even after they dumped beer on him. He didn't instigate until they started hitting him, and that's when he's like, "All right, that, that's what you want." And then yeah, he had the sons and four, and so that was cool. But it is that, the guy is actually the story. That's what's blown up yeah. the story more than anything is the sons and four thing. These these yeah. dumb these dumb little fights and skirmishes happen in the stands well, all the time. But the yeah, sons and, and four thing is what's really made this take off. And the guy the guy has definitely gotten some social media presence. He's doing some good stuff though too. He's on Instagram. Awesome. Um, he he uh, he got a signed Booker jersey and he got courtside seats for the first game, which is oh, awesome wow. um, from Devin Booker, which is really cool. Uh, for all the Kentucky listeners out there. Uh, but he also has been doing a giveaway just because I guess he's doing well, but he's doing like a $500 giveaway for charity. That's um, awesome. So that's really, that's, yeah, that's really cool. Um, there were, I will say as a Suns fan, like we don't can, obviously we don't condone violence. I, re- I respect this guy cause he was defending himself. And after you have, when you have beer poured on you, I mean, that's just, that's uh-huh. classless. but there was another altercation after game one where, the Suns fans didn't throw the first punch, but they definitely verbally instigated it. This guy is not that case. Like he was just minding his own business, but Suns fans after the game instigated it with the Clippers fans and then got into a rumble with Clippers fans. That's not cool. We don't yeah. want to see that as, cool. as a Suns fan. You know, I don't support that, but you know, when the guy's defending himself, I'll respect that. And you know, Suns and four, that's what we're going for. I mean, at that point yeah. we, were, we were beating the tar out of the nuggets. So I'm okay with it. I'm, 
I'm more, I'm more, I guess, cautious with the Clippers. I'm gonna say Suns and Suns and five, but all right, um, well, that's still pretty but, uh, confident there. But, it, um, it is, I, but I like our, I like our team, so that's how I feel about it. So with the, with all the fighting that's been going on, do you guys think it's more um, people are just crazy because they're getting to go out and do stuff, or do you think it's just more? We know that fights happen I mean, all the time, and we see that. But do you think it might have something to do with it? captured on social media or is it just that people are posting? Well, there's always, there's, well, like Colin just gave us a lot of context on what happened. And that's, that's a perfect example. Uh, Colin gave us context on what happened before the, the actual viral clip went out there. So that's always important because these, Uh, these stupid little fights happen all the time at sporting events. And a lot of times it's because someone drank too much. They think they're part of the team and they're trying, like it's most 99% of the time. It's it's just a bunch of people being being dumbasses. But mm-hmm. in this case, I mean, well, with with Colin's context too, well, I was glad to see the and, guy take up yeah. That's for sure. Well, and the thing is, like, I think that part of it is that you have all these. I mean, we know we've been on Preds Twitter, Preds Facebook. You have these keyboard warriors that are now going out into the open, and they think they can say what they say online in person, yeah. and that's not okay. But I mean, that you also have an M, especially the NBA, like. Um, you know, Russell Westbrook had popcorn dumped on him, and Russell oh, yeah. Westbrook's not the guy to do that to. He's about that action. He'll climb in the stands. He's like yeah. a, mm-hmm. a Ron Artest, younger <laughs> version. But, yeah. um, I mean, we all remember Malice in the Palace. But then we had Kyrie Irving got hit with a water bottle. Kevin Durant did night got hit with a water bottle. It's um, not cool. Yeah, and this, this, Trey this Young got spat on. It's still yeah, Scott I mean, stop. And and the player, but they're, they're lucky. The players don't, you know, press some charges or do some of this stuff because they can easily identify who you are. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're out in public. You're there's cameras everywhere. Like, that's not the way you want to lose your job. That's not the way you want your kids mm-hmm. to know you. Like, that's just not good. Well, it's can, just not good. Yeah. Well, I can, even on a smaller scale, I work in the public as a uh, bartender in downtown Nashville. For all of our listeners who don't know, and I, I deal with a lot of the public, and I can say that people are definitely. Um, first of all, I will say that it's awesome to see people out again, as long as they're being safe, they're not being, uh, they're not being idiots and they're being respectful of other people. It is great to see people out again, out and about again, enjoying themselves, living life, uh, going on vacation, being with their family, creating those memories. That's all great stuff. And sporting events are a great way to do that. But I am, I am seeing that people are maybe forgetting how to act in public. Well, let me just oh, go yeah. and say that right now. And so, uh, uh, and that's not just sporting events. That's just in general. And so I do think we're seeing some of that right now. But when it comes, let, let's circle back before we get too big, big on a tangent here. But uh, I think what really blew up that whole thing was how he just so confidently said sons and four, threw it up there. It was awesome. How can you not get behind that yeah. unless you're a Nuggets fan? But how can you not get behind that? It's awesome. So, uh that was great. The U.S. Open was awesome. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, John Rom. Yeah, John Rom. You had a uh, uh, NASCAR come back to National Super Speedway. That was, was a big deal. I found myself needing like five TVs on Sunday yeah. to watch <laughs> everything I wanted to watch. So that's a great thing to have. Yeah, we don't have Preds hockey, but guess what? The Preds Catfish and Ice podcast continues, and we are here for you. And we are getting through the uh, dog days of the off season. There's not a lot of there's not a lot of news right there out there right now when it comes to the Preds. There's plenty of rumors you can swirl about. There's the Jack Eichel stuff. There's the Pecorine stuff. There's plenty of things we can speculate about, but there's not stuff that's actually happening. 
So that's why we're thinking about next season. We're, we're talking about stuff that's going to happen here soon. And so that's what we're doing for episode uh, 52 of the Catfish and Ice podcast. And we're going to start this off right now by talking about our lineup. We're going to finish our lineup, our all-time Preds lineup. <laughs> we did our forwards last week, and we had a lot of, a lot of different varying uh, opinions on how we would construct our lineup. We had a lot of the same players, but we had them on different lines. We talked about it. It was fun. You need to go back and listen to uh, episode 51 to get the full uh, context on that. It was a lot of fun. Again, we invite you to talk to us on social media, Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram, at Catfish Ice, and let us know what you, would be your all-time Preds lineup. Let us know. We'll retweet it. We'll share it. We'll talk about it. And so uh, let's start with uh, Colin. Uh, give us your uh, top – I feel like we're going to probably uh, agree <laughs> – all three of us on this. Maybe not, but give us your top defensive pairing all time on the on your all-time fantasy Prez lineup. Yeah, my top pairing, is, and I'm, I'm, I had that same feeling. I think it, for me, it's Roman Yossi and Shea Weber. Oh, Those my gosh. Could you imagine? So. And in their primes. In <laughs> their primes. Oh, in yeah. their primes. I'd take them both right now. Oh, my gosh. Well, and there's, yeah, there's even right now. Yeah, even right now you would take them, of course. They Shea did Weber. overlap. They did overlap. I mean, yeah. so – Shea yeah. Weber's still a tough customer, man. I take him right but now. Let, let, let's take Shea Weber in his prime, though. With oh, yeah. Rowan Yossi in his prime, you know this is like a hypothetical discussion we're having. Obviously, Shea Weber and Rowan Yossi on on a top line, uh, <laughs> you're going to have a hard time beating that. So uh, mm-hmm. I think we're all in agreement here. Shea Weber, uh, let's let's talk about him for a little bit. Shea Weber was one of the first homegrown superstars of this team. Unless you want to take out uh, maybe David Legwand, Legwand, you can throw in there. But was David Legwand a superstar? He wasn't. He wasn't an elite NHL superstar. He wasn't. Kind of, he's kind of like the Forsberg, where it's like he's not great, but he's good. He's really yeah. good. Shea Weber was the first player in Nashville before Pecker, even before Pecorine really took off, where he was like, okay, the whole NHL knows who Shea Weber is. Yeah. And, and and for that Preds team at that time, that was massive because yeah. the, the Preds were still – they were making the playoffs, but the Preds were not respected nationally. They were not a team that was taken seriously. No one thought of them ever winning a Stanley Cup anytime soon, and they still haven't. I get that. But Shea Weber was that player that came – we didn't have to make a trade for him. We didn't have to like go out there and find him. He was he was here. He he came up through the system. So that's that that's awesome. Shea Weber had that ridiculous slap shot. Yeah. That, uh, <laughs> God, God willing, if you're in its way, and I'll tip <laughs> I'll tip your cap to you if you block it. Have fun <laughs> limp, have fun limping back to the bench. But you did maybe save a goal. But yeah, Weber was just amazing. And then Roman Yossi's a, a very different player from Shea Weber. Uh, Roman Yossi has that flash to him. He has that. He's a defenseman, but he's almost not a defenseman. Defensive forward. Yes. And for some people that really, for some of the really big, like, hockey enthusiasts, the ones that really study the game hard and they really look at the analytics, that frustrates them sometimes about Yossi because uh, he's not that prototypical defenseman. He is, he is very much out there to drive the offense and to make things happen. And I think the league's evolving into that, honestly. Yeah. And so, uh, Yossi, I mean, I think he's he could easily win another Norris Trophy in his future. Uh, 
he quietly had a really good season this past season. He did. He wasn't mm-hmm. all over the headlines. He wasn't in the Norris Trophy race, which is understandable. I don't think he should have been. But he still had a really good season. So yeah. Yeah, uh, so are we all in agreement on that, that it's Yossi Weber on our top pairing? Well, I was going to go Yossi and Lucas Pisa, but I put it in. Oh, uh, you, you – all right. Hey, I'm, I'm about to put you in timeout for like five minutes of this episode. Every 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 episode, Lucas Pisa. Well, he's I gotta, gone. well, hey, well, I'll go ahead and share this right now. Now, we tagged you on Twitter, so you probably already know. But guess what? Guess what, Rich? You can, you can, sleep, you can sleep easy tonight. Mm-hmm. You can rest your head on your pillow and not worry about it because Lucas Spiza is exempt – from the expansion draft. I saw that. So he's going nowhere. So yeah. your your customized Lucas Spiza jersey is safe. Yes. He's not going to be wearing a Seattle Kraken jersey, so you're good. You're good. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think we had to worry about that. All right. <laughs> so it, it, in, all, in all seriousness, is it Shea Weber or Romeosi? It is Shea Weber. All right. All right, cool. Uh, give us your thoughts. Give us your thoughts, Rich. Uh, kind of talk about uh, kind of like – how you feel about uh, Yossi going into next season? Um, sorry to put you on the spot, but I know you. Oh, I, I know you have a lot of good thoughts on Yossi and just kind of what you think about his future. And do you think the best is yet to come, or do you think that he's already peaked? I think it's going to be next year is going to be really telling for him. He, like you said, he had a really a good quiet season. It definitely wasn't Norris worthy like last year or the year before. But I think next year is going to be really pivotal for for him yes. and a lot of guys, and it's going to be time. Like, we can't have another quiet year from him. He's going to have to, you know, step up in a big way. So I think it's it's not just him. It's going to be all of them. So we're just – next year is going to be huge. So I, I, I kind of put it out there uh, earlier this evening, actually. I put it out there where I basically said, look, like – I don't really – I could be totally wrong on this. I'm just going off my gut instinct here. But I don't really see the Preds making a ton of big splashes this offseason. I do think every team's going to have a big splash in terms of the expansion draft. So we'll see what happens with that. We're still a little over a month away from that. Uh, we, we're less than a month away until we find out those protection lists from the GMs. But, uh, but the expansion draft is naturally going to make things move. But – what I'm saying is I don't really see the Preds making anything hardcore. Like, let's for instance, we've got some pretty big trade block uh, players out there. We got, mm-hmm. of course, we got Jack Eichel. We've got uh, Seth Jones out there. We've got uh, Edmund Larson out there for the Coyotes. Yep. So we've got we got some big names out there. I don't see the Preds making anything big this year when it comes to something like that. Could they make a minor move? Maybe. I think that David Poyle is in a position right now where he's treading lightly mm-hmm. and he's going to see what he, he wants to see what this youth has mm-hmm. in it because I'm sorry, other than Soros, which is a big part of it, the youth really pushed this team into the playoffs to begin with. So yeah. if I'm if I'm Poyle right now, why would I want to go out there and possibly trade some of those young assets to get one of these big players Maybe it's a big splash. It makes headlines. Yeah, that's all flashy. It's great and good. But why would you do that? That's a big risk. That is a big risk. Yeah. I, so, wrote a, I wrote something for Predlines about what the what Poyle should and shouldn't do over the offseason. And one of them was talking about Jack Eichel. 
Um, I would love to see them get an elite forward, but I do not want to see them give away the farm to get exactly. one. Exactly. That's where we're at. I mean, I just, and just, and, and let, it would be bad. It would, yes. it would not be good to get rid of these young guys who got them to where they are. Yes. And before you even get to see what they can do. And, and when, when it comes to – we'll go to you, Colin. Let me say this real quick. When it comes to Jack Eichel, Buffalo is asking a lot. It's already out yeah. there. All, all the – all the analysts out there and the reporters who are close to the situation are saying Buffalo is asking a lot. So the Preds need to go ahead and bow out of that. Yeah, it sounds great. Jack Eichel's a great player. Obviously, let's bow out of that. But that, that back injury is risky too. I mean, he wants yeah. a procedure that's never been done before. Uh, there's, there's a lot to it that that makes it me it makes me nervous because you're you're investing. It's an investment, unfortunately. I mean, we want to see them as human beings first, but at the end of the day, from a team standpoint, they're an investment. And if you're going to invest in a guy, to, to have experimental back surgery pretty much right from the rip, like yeah. that's scary. I just that's I, really scary. Yeah, I just don't think the Preds are in that position right now to make that big splash this offseason. Mm. I don't think they're there. I think that they have to work their way back up to being in that spot again, and they're not there. They're yeah. they've got to cultivate this homegrown talent that they have right now. And I think they got something cooking. I really think they got something cooking right now. I really do. We got something cooking, but also it's, we got to remember like the cap's not going to go up this year. It probably, probably hopefully go up by 22, 23, but realistically, like we're paying other guys not to play hockey for us right now. Like, yeah. And I mean, we've got to hope that this isn't Shea Weber's last run because if it is, that money's going to come due. We're still paying Kyle Turris. We're still, we're probably going to have to eat some of the money of Shane or Johansson, unless we keep them both, which I don't see that happening. Um, I mean, I don't know. I could be wrong, but it's just we're we're, we're paying guys we don't know. hockey right now. We really don't know. Do you know how much the Shea Weber per year is? Is it $2 million or is it less than that? Do you know? I thought, it was, I thought it was more than that. I thought that – I know that at one point before they, they did the collective bargaining agreement that they were going to have to pay, like, all of it at once or something crazy like that. But then they yeah. switched it to like a year, but I never, I never could get what the actual, it's still two, if, even if it is two million. Even if it's two million. Yeah. That's a, that's yeah. a Colton Sissons. So yeah, and that's two to him, two to tourists, like you said. So Yeah. Well, and hopefully tourists has paid off quicker because this wasn't as long of an extension. I mean, that's yeah. still stinks or paying him to sit at home, but yeah, it's just, we, we, uh, we what don't have the cap right now. Wasn't tourists. It was like six years. It was a six-year deal, and he got three of it from us, and then yeah. we're paying three afterwards. So I think we might have recouped a little bit because I think Edmonton might have had to like take and yeah. absorb oh, okay. some of that. But yeah, it's a, we're not in the best of cap situations. We're not in the worst cap situations, but we're not in like the we're about to go through you know right. uh, on a shopping spree. Like this isn't like Tampa Bay no. where they're paying no. up for guys and, and faking injury reports. We can talk and, about that later. <laughs> yeah. And here's kind of where I'm at on it with that. And Colin, you brought up a really good point on it that which basically uh, amplified my point on it, which is we're not in a position to do this right now because of what, what our past has already shown us right now. Mm-hmm. Right now we need to tread lightly. We need to be smart about it. It's not like we're a basement dweller necessarily going into next season. We are in that fringe spot. We are kind of in the same spot I already had them in last season, honestly, at this point, like in the offseason. Like I feel like the Preds are very much a team – they could go this direction. They could go this direction. They could go both different ways. Uh, a lot of unknown variables right now that we're not going to really know until uh, the expansion draft happens and until free agency happens. And then we'll go into uh, October 
And we still, I think training camp is going to be very, very interesting in Nashville. Yeah. I think a lot of roster spots are going to be available out there. Uh, Poyle well, already came. Poyle already came out and said, "Look, yes, I want to see some changes. Like some things need to change. Like I know Poyle doesn't always give us the the uh, very uh, honesty. <laughs> honest. Well, not so much honesty. I feel like he keeps it really close to his chest, which is understandable." I want to see some changes, and we're going to see the youth movement. Yeah, I mean, that, yeah, well, I'll say patron patronizing. I think patronizing is the word to go all for. All right, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's good. The way, the way I describe it, the pred, the preds are not buyers; they're not sellers. We're just paying our bills. That's the best way I can all say right. it. But Max Greenberg actually put in the chat. He said we have eight total years, seven more uh, because we bought tourists out for four years. So we spent thanks, Max. Years. So that's yeah, appreciate cool. you, Max, but, for giving us and, that information there. And shout out to my, my Twitter. Yes. What's up, yeah. Mike? But yeah, Sorry. all right. So uh, we kind of went off on a tangent there uh, from our press lineup. But it's uh, but r- really, Rich got us off on that tangent because he brought up Roman Yossi and how we need uh, some of these key veterans who are going to be around next season to step up. And that's kind of where I was getting at is I think this team is going to be a blend of young players, but we're still going to have some key veterans We'll, we'll have to wait and see what who those veterans are. We know some of them who will definitely be here. Yeah. But uh, for the most part, it's very much up in the air. And so this team is going to be very hard to predict. Let's put it that way. Like, I'm not making my predictions now. It's way too damn soon. But uh, we yeah. will eventually get to that point where we predict have our preseason predictions. And I can promise you this team's going to be very hard to predict. So that's where we're at on that. So, But our top, our top pr- pairing – for our defense on our all-time lineup is Roman Yossi and Shea Weber. Unanimous decision. We didn't have a unanimous unanimous decision with our uh, forwards, but we do mm-hmm. with our defense. And one thing about the Preds in their history, they've always had great defensemen. I mean, that yeah. they've always known how to do that. And so uh, let's go to our second pairing. I think it's going to be a little bit more dicey. I do think that. And so let's start with Rich on that one. Uh, right. give, us your, uh, give us your second pairing. So the same as with the forwards, I don't have like a huge backlog of Preds reference because I wasn't a fan the whole time. So my second pairing, one one of the guys, I kind of went by points. One of the guys is Ryan Ellis. And the second one is because I just want to say this Ooh. dude's name, Kimo Timonen. Timonen. Okay. So well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I, I got to break off the tracks here. Rich, <laughs> Rich, you're putting Ryan Ellis on your second pairing. Yeah, man. Why not? Okay, I, I'm going to defend him here. Here's why I'm going to defend him. Because yes, Ryan and I. Am, you guys know if I'm defending Ryan Ellis, it means something. Because I am not a Ryan Ellis apologist. I am very much frustrated with Ryan Ellis. But here's the thing: Ryan Ellis for defenseman for the Predators, National Predators all time. And this stat, I know we like to say it doesn't matter as much, but for defensemen, I think it matters a little bit more. Ryan Ellis has the highest plus minus for any National Predators defenseman in Predators history. Oh, wow. On top of points, I mean, that's a good stat. He, he's he's, and he's he's got some. He's got the points. He's third in points. It's good nugget you just dropped there. So yeah, I mean, plus minus. No pun intended. No pun intended about the Denver Nuggets, but uh, yeah, oh, his good. plus minus is one fourteen though. That's I mean, I am I am one of the harshest critics of Ryan Ellis, and even I gotta say, one fourteen plus minus in your career with one team, that's solid numbers. That's hard. And he's, to and, and he's another homegrown defenseman. That yeah, he is. It, it hits different with these players when they're homegrown. Yeah, yeah, I think we can all agree on that. And so a player like Ryan Ellis, I mean, you see his pictures. 
from the early days when he played for Milwaukee. He doesn't have the beard. He looks no. like a baby. We got our <laughs> we got our guy CJ Wodashek, who's been on the podcast, who uh, lives up there and is a diehard Milwaukee oh, Admirals, Admirals fan. He's a bigger Admirals fan than he is a Predators fan, but he's naturally a Predators fan because he's an Admirals fan. That's how big of an Admirals fan he is, and he yep. loves him some Ryan Ellis. And so, uh, if we can get CJ on the uh, in the chat here. If one of us wants to uh, get him in on the on the show and he wants to uh, join in the chat, he can do that. But he's a big Ryan Ellis defender. He's a big Ryan Ellis fan. And yeah. uh, but Rich, I just I can't get on board with you. Not yeah. on the second pairing. Sorry, right. but but I Mine know can. that's that's gonna Mine be can. a that's gonna be a very split uh, yeah. opinion. There. So tell me about uh, the. Uh, I just went my point. So tell me about uh, Tim and. Kimo Timonen was uh, was a very one of the originals, and he was a very smart, high IQ player. He was a great leader. He was smart. He knew where to be on the ice. Uh, From what I remember about him, he wasn't a Roman Yossi at all. He wasn't out there to score a lot of goals, and and he could he could he could log points. No one's going to say that, but uh, he wasn't. And it was when the NHL was a lot different too. I mean, let's be honest. And, and those Preds teams were lacking a lot of offensive firepower, too. But what he did on the ice, what you have to remember about those early Preds teams were they lacked the talent, they last lacked the offensive firepower, but they made it very hard to score yeah. on them, on their opponents, even yeah. against teams who had better talent than them. And Timonen was absolutely one of those, one of those players uh, – he was he was like like Colin just said he was one of the OGs of the original Preds. Yeah. Uh, everyone for the early early days Predators fans, Kimo Timonen was one of the top two or three players on the team that people cheer for. Yeah, you, you learned that you learned Kimo Timonen very very quickly if you were early did. days Preds fan. Fools Preds trivia or not Preds trivia? Kimo Timonen trivia. He did win a cup with. Chicago, unfortunately, in the 2015. Yes. He uh, also went to the Flyers. Finals. He also left. He the did go to the Flyers. Yeah. Flyers. Yeah, he did. But yeah, he was. I mean, he was 50. He played 50 games in 1998, 1999, inaugural season. Um, you know, solid, solid player for us. Honestly, he was. He was a solid defenseman and kind of one of the bright spots in a team that struggled a little bit earlier on. And part of that identity forming, you know, culture is that he was not going to be like your speedster, not going to be right. the biggest lateral movement, but he could hit and he could. He could. He could make sure that. People pay to try to get into our zone, so uh, you gotta respect that out of his game. Very cool. All right, so um, I'm gonna I'm gonna reveal my second pairing here, and I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna take some people off here. They're gonna be like, "What the <laughs> hell are you talking about here?" First of all, I am definitely going Kimo Timonen on my second pairing, so I'm right there with Rich on that one. Uh, my other pairing, brace yourselves, it is DK Subban. Oh. Okay. PK Subban. First of all, we're going by primes here. And Subban was a great player in his prime. I know he, he is he's tailed off. I know he's on ESPN now and he is he he is a dynamic transcending professional athlete that everyone knows he's a great ambassador of the game. He is so charismatic. He is one of my favorite players of all time. For way more than what he just does on the ice, but what he does off the ice, I love PK Subban. Yeah, that's what so, I, was I, I hated seeing him go. That was, but that was uh, but he's he's on my second pairing because when I'm go, looking at my, when I'm shaping my all time Preds lineup, I look at it and I'm like, two great leaders uh, on my second pairing. 
Uh, and Subban was one of those types where he was another player who he wasn't ever like the type of player that was going to score a lot of goals, but he was a very smart player. Mm-hmm. He knew where to be. He was chippy. He wouldn't take crap from anybody. Uh, he was smart. He's a great ambassador for your team. He's a great leader. Uh, teammates levitate towards guys like that. And so I I had to think about it for a little bit, but I put P.K. Yeah. Subban on my second pairing. I realized we went through all this trouble to get Matt Duchesne by indirectly giving up P.K. Subban. And I'm not saying it was a bad move because Subban is probably at the end of his career anyway when it comes to his, his best playing days. So I'm not going to bag the Predators too hard for that. But uh, but he, man, that Stanley Cup run with P.K. Subban on that team, he was an igniter. He was a great player. And uh, he, he brought that locker room together in a lot of ways. I remember when he first came to Nashville – he went on. He went down Broadway and went to the honky tonks and did karaoke. Cool. I mean, yep. the guy is just class personified, one hundred percent. I'm, I, I just need one day for him to uh, reply to me on Twitter. One day, just hey, at, hey, PK Subban, I know you have like a million followers. One yeah. day, can you respond to me on Twitter? It'll make my year probably. Uh, but yeah, uh, PK Subban, he is on my. Uh, he's on my second pairing with uh, Kimo Timonen. So. It's funny you mentioned that that pairing. And biggest man also got his head smashed in by Sidney Crosby. I'm not no. bitter about that at all. No. You kind of have to wonder, like, especially because we talked about, you know, having Shea Weber, like, you kind of wonder, like, what would have happened if we had never given up Shea Weber for that trade? You know, where would we be? Because then we gave up, you know, Shea Weber for P.K. Subban. Then we gave up P.K. Subban for Davies and basically a hot dog stand to make room yeah. for, for Matt Duchesne. And it was kind of one of those things where I always kind of scratched my head of, like, you know, I get what we were trying to do. It was a sal- it was a salary dump, but it still kind of hurts because we didn't get equal talent. No, by no means. I mean, I, you know, Davies is going to come along. And he'll do. He'll do fine. I think he'll be a good spot guy for us every now and Which then. Which we're going to talk about Davies a little bit probably later in this episode when we talk about yeah. some prospects. But uh, you know, he's not he's not PK Subban's caliber. But it's funny you mention that because that's my third pairing. Kimo Timmin and PK Subban were my third pairing. I tried like hell to make sure I did not include Ryan Suter. I know he has the stats in a lot of ways. Uh, he's a jerk for how he left Nashville, and I will never forgive that. Um, and so Ryan Suter was left out of my top six. Uh, but my top four, my my second pairing, my third and fourth. Or actually, and this is going to sound like such a, a recency bias, but the numbers support it. You got to go Ellis, with it. Ryan Ellis and Matthias Eichholm. Yeah. And, and so Ryan Ellis, I mentioned Ryan Ellis has the highest plus minus of a defenseman with 114 uh, in their career with Nashville. Uh, Matthias Which Eichholm, is incredible. Same, it is that's incredible. A, that's an incredible stat. 114 well, plus. And, and so or, uh, Matthias Eichholm is second on that list of plus minus with a 90. I mean, wow. and, 200, and 219 points. And so for me, th- those are my two that were like, it's just looking at the sheer numbers and knowing that they've played their whole time in Nashville and that they've done all those stats with Nashville. It's like, I, I can't go past that. I mean, P.K. Subban was great, but in, especially in the window of time that we had him and Kimo Timidin meant so much in terms of what he brought to the team and, you know, his points. And so that's why they're actually – we'll call this a snake draft here. They're my fifth and sixth. I'm going to go and get ahead of myself here. Uh, but But because of the sheer stats and the sheer performances of, you know, an Ellis and, and an Ekholm, that, that's why they're my third and fourth. So, so Timonen and Subban are your third pairing? Yep, they're my fifth and sixth. All right, cool. interesting. All right, all right. Cool. So look, I'll go ahead and reveal my third pairing, and then we'll go to Rich for his third pairing. Uh, my third pairing is uh, 
is going to obviously Ryan Ellis is in there and Matias Eckholm's in there. So literally, me and Colin flip flopped our yep. pairings because, uh, and, and really, when it comes down to that, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, this is a fantasy lineup here. What <laughs> we're really doing is kind of ranking our top six. But if in a vacuum, hypothetically speaking, we could trot out this lineup in their primes, uh, Ryan Ellis and Eckholm on my third pairing. I mean, come on now. Yeah, right. uh, you can't go. You can't go wrong with that. Let's and this gives us the opportunity to talk about some of these players more in depth. And so uh, we, I just got to talking about Subban, and uh, we've been talking about Ryan Ellis. Uh, Matthias Eckholm is a player that I'm sorry, I don't know if he'll ever get the credit he deserves. I know there's a lot of fans out there who love Eckholm. I know he got a lot of credit this season, but I still don't feel like that's enough. This no. guy has always just been the ultimate Nashville predator. I mean, he just goes out there. Sometimes he gets a little too amped up, and he'll 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 get in a skirmish. He'll get in the penalty box. But for the most part, this guy is out there. When you see Eckholm play, you can see it in his eyes how much he wants to win, how oh, much yeah. he is in the play. You can just see it. The guy has so much passion, and that's as a hockey fan or as a sports fan. How can you not love that? And he backs it up. He's a very underrated defenseman. It, when it comes to nationally speaking, he is such an underrated defenseman. And so, uh, Eckholm, I was not going to leave him off my lineup and put in Ryan Suter. That was never going to happen. So, uh, Ryan Suter, you get my honorable mention, and I hate to use the word honorable in that uh, in that term. But, uh, Suter, you're in my honorable mention because you were a good player when you first came here. And then, for whatever reason, you wanted to go to Minnesota. You went to Minnesota, haven't won anything there. And if anything else, you're getting ready to leave the exit for uh, Minnesota. You never really accomplished anything there that you couldn't have accomplished here. So congrats, Ryan Suter, for uh, getting out of Nashville. I hope you enjoy Minnesota and wherever else you go. But you are on my honorable mention, so uh, I guess you get that from me. Yep. So, uh, yeah. Uh, that, that's my tangent for there the episode. Uh, I've, I've been saving that all week. I mean, I've, okay. Actually, you know what? I've been building that up. That's like that's been built up over like five years. So uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got no love loss for Ryan Suter, yeah, especially yeah. when All you right. tried to create a bidding war. A little Matthias Ekholm there. Calm down a little bit. And so <laughs> is uh, Rich about to put Ryan Suter on his third pairing? Of course. And, and of course. am I about to launch through this computer screen Sorry. right now at you? Sorry, right. but I did put Matthias Ekholm with him. All right. I'm, a, I'm a big Matthias Ekholm fan. Like I really like him a lot, and I like the passion that you were talking about that he has. Yeah. And I know that everybody was disappointed when he didn't get – everybody wanted him traded before the trade deadline, but I was, like, secretly hoping that he would stay because I did not want to see him go. Oh, I didn't want either. I was I was dreading that, dude. Yeah, I, was, I mean, I know that they could have gotten stuff, you know, other players and pieces for him, but, like, I really wanted him to stay in Nashville. So I'm glad it worked out. And now it looks they, like he's going to be there for a while. They could have gotten a decent haul out of him. Let's be honest. They could have. They could have gotten some. It would have been, I think it would have been more in the terms of future considerations as far as draft picks and younger yeah. players that were unproven. I mm-hmm. don't think they would have gotten a really big, they might have gotten a, a, a starter out of him, like a bottom sixer yeah. maybe. But for the most part, if you were getting rid of Ekholm at that point, you were banking on your future and you were mm-hmm. basically saying, hey, we're rebuilding. And so I understand why Poyle wasn't ready to do that. I still disagree with his strategy. But uh, you did make the playoffs. 
you did give uh, the Carolina Hurricanes a scare, and you did put a dent in them because they were they were awful against uh, in the next round. And so, I mean, the Preds they they have a lot to uh, hang their hats on after this past season, considering where they came from. Yeah. And so, and they then now they have a, a very tricky off season to navigate through. So that's kind of where they're at. But um, yeah. so you left PK Subban out of your defensive lineup. Then. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I really like him and I miss him, but I don't know. Like you said, I mean, you only get to pick six. You only get to pick six yeah. players, so we're not going to hold it against you. I mean, it's okay. It's a tough. Yeah. It's way harder to pick these defensemen, honestly. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, about, I I just wanted to say chemo, so you know, I stuck him in there too. Do we have any honorable mentions here uh, that we want to we want to bring up? Well, Max Gre- Max Greenberg can put the chat, and I guess I kind of have to agree with him that. Ryan Suter would be on the taxi squad. I'm not going to take away from what Ryan Suter did. He was a very good player for us. Just an asshole. Sorry, pardon my language. Just a, just a, a not a nice person. The way, the way he left Nashville was such a, just the, the, the contempt for us as if we were never going to be successful as if the city was a bunch of rednecks. I mean, yeah. it just was, it was, it hurts. And so, you know, I won't deny his numbers. He can be on the taxi squad, but that's uh, that's where I'm gonna kind of leave him. I would say in my next one would probably be Dan Hamhouse or Hamus. Of course, He's got, he, the, the ham sandwich, as I as I I so, fondly know him. But yeah, I mean he's Dan Hamus. I'm glad you brought him up. Two, two stints with the Preds, you know, started with us pretty early on, and then came back to us late in the game, and and was still very much a viable contributor, solid third pairing guy. It wasn't as fast when in the end, but you know when he when he first had it, you know, his first stint here is awesome. Um, so gotta include him. Those that's are my a two. very that's a very good honorable mention there. Dan Hamus, of course, was uh, a great. He he was just a really prototypical, tough nosed, smart defenseman. Again, yeah. uh, that played for those Preds teams that did not give up much ice room. They were very hard to score against. They also didn't score a lot either, but they were tough to score against. And that's kind of how the Preds built their foundation in the early years. And so Dan Hamus came in here as a very, very young player and instantly uh, earned his spot on that lineup. So if you want to ever go back and look at some Preds history, go to hockeyreference.com. You can see what Dan Hamus did for those early teams. Uh, I've got another really good honorable mention before we move on to our next segment. Uh, This is episode 52 of the Catfish Tonight's podcast. We just revealed our uh, defensemen of all time on our uh, all-time Preds lineup. One more honorable mention I got. Uh, Rich, you might not really know a lot about this guy. You've probably heard about him. You probably know a little bit about him. But uh, Kevin Klein. Mm. Mm, yeah. Kevin Klein was a very underrated defenseman. He was, again, not a flashy player, not a guy that went out there and scored a ton. But I got his stats pulled up here. He played uh, 403 games for the Nashville Predators. Wow. Over nine seasons. That's saying something. I'm sorry. You don't play over 400 games for a team if you're not doing something valuable. Yeah. And so uh, – yeah, he only put up 82 points, so I get that. He wasn't a big scorer, and that's what we all want to see. That's that's the uh, flashy thing to do, like Roman Yossi does. But it's not all about that. And so uh, Kevin Klein, a very underrated defenseman. I would have never put him in my top six necessarily, but he's definitely worthy of being on the honorable mention. And so uh, Kevin Klein, he uh, played up until the 2013-14 season, and then he eventually went to the New York Rangers up until 2016-17. And so he finished his career with uh, 627 career games, 154 points. And so uh, Kevin Klein's on my honorable mention. We got we got any other honorable mentions? Or are we going to move on to the uh, next segment, guys? I'm ready to rock. 
Let's yeah, rock. Yeah. Let's rock and roll. That's our Preds lineup uh, all time. Of course, Pecorine is our starting goaltender. We don't even need a whole segment for this. He's our all-time starting goaltender. We'll make our backup. Uh, my backup's Thomas Vokun. Uh, I mean, Soros I is a, and Soros is a close third. Uh, and Soros can definitely uh, jump into that second spot in the coming years. Yeah. But uh, that, that's our all-time Preds lineup. You know, last, in- last week was when Pecorino was supposed to be meeting with David Poyle. Oh, man. We have to wait for that. We have to wait for that. So that's our all. That's our all-time Preds lineups. Go back and listen to the last two episodes and uh, review our lineups and let us know. You can go get get yourself a, a piece of paper and uh, let us know what you think about our lineups. Come up with your own lineup. It's a lot of fun. Let's be honest, and uh, we can talk about it. And so let's go to the next segment of the Catfish and Ice Podcast, episode fifty-two, right in the middle of this off season. Kind of the dead period of the NHL calendar, unless your team is still in it. And let's go to uh, let's go to some prospects that we want to see take the next step, next step next season. And that that doesn't necessarily mean they have to be a full time NHL starter, but maybe a player we're like really excited to see do the next, you know, really prove that they're they're going to the next level. Because unfortunately, in hockey, you get a lot of these prospects they fizzle out. They never make it to that next step. They, they never can really get out of their minor league team. And so we've got – I've got some players on my short list that I'm, I'm ready to see uh, really take charge for the Admirals next season. And, of course, what, what's a better player to start with than Connor Ingram? Connor yeah. Ingram, he's been through a lot. It seems like he's getting better. Uh, with his uh, With his mental health struggles, we're all behind him on that. Things are way bigger than hockey here. And so for that, uh, I, I, I follow Connor Ingram on social media and he's a really great follow and it seems like he's doing really good. And so that's what's first and foremost important. But when it comes to the hockey part of it, I'm really excited about Connor Ingram. Uh, if he wants to play and he's ready to play, I think he could definitely be the next backup for uh, UC Soros. Uh, he had an outstanding season for the Admirals before the COVID-19 shutdown. And so I'm really excited to see him play for a great Admirals team in this coming up AHL season. And then, uh, of course, we have to wait and see what happens with Pecorino's decision. But uh, no matter what Rene's decision is, I think the future is very bright for Ingram if, in, if in fact, he wants to play and he's in that right uh, mindset to play. Yeah, I He's definitely one that, especially if he gets back, I mean, he's pretty much the top goaltender in the AHL before last year. So um, you'll want to definitely see him get back. For me, I'm kind of forward-minded. I've been keeping up with a lot of our forwards. There's been some of our defensemen too. But um, I, I – and I, this might not be, like, as crazy as people think – as I think it is, but I really like Juso Parsonen. I, yes. After watching him in the World Juniors, mm-hmm. the dude, he plays for Finland. He plays in Finland right now, but he played for the national, the Finland national team that came in third. Dude's got some skill. I, I, I he is very raw, but he's he's very much on that Philip Tomasino level because they're both uh, twenty nineteen draftees. Uh, the only difference is about six rounds worth of drafting. Um, but Parson looked really good playing for Finland, and so. Yes. That's kind of where I'm at is I would love to see him take that next step. And, and you know, with the Finnish team, I think he's going to play there, and then they'll probably sign me a two-way deal uh, to Nashville probably the next couple of years or so. But when he gets here, I'm very excited to see because we've had some luck with the Finns. The Finns have we treated have. us well. We so have. 
would love to see it. Would love to see another one do it for us. And the fin- the Finnish national team, just in general, Finnish the Finnish are doing a really good job with their development of their players. Um, there's a reason that their team has been consistently in the top three, uh, the World Juniors every year. So, um, really like Jusuf Parsonen. I think that he's going to be an, a huge uh, piece in the next few years. Possibly even next year, might get some chances. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd like to see. Um, obviously, we want to see your Tanner Janos and your Alexander Carrier guys make sure that they are not what? moved off of the roster. Yeah, um, that that type of thing. That's and I'd really point. like to see. Um, I really like to see. Rem Pitlick have a really good training camp and get some, yeah. some time because I really like him a lot too. I think he he's a good player. Like he had an opportunity when he was in there to score a goal and he passed and took the assist and that was that was pretty pretty awesome to see. Another guy yeah. like he just so I could hear his name said over the PA is Gunnar Wolf Fontaine. <laughs> he's gonna be for my all work. He's gonna be for my all my all name team. I was like really looking I mean, forward that, to yeah. Yeah, give me that jersey. Involved? Give me that jersey yeah. right now, actually. Well, the problem the problem is Gunnar Wolf is the first name. You almost want the first name on the back of the jersey yeah. instead of the I, last I name. Would still, yeah, I would still get one that said Gunnar Wolf on it, definitely. But <laughs> and then as far as like defensemen, I really like to see uh, Ferrets get a shot as well. Yeah. I, 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 well what, did he play like in one or two games? A couple. He had a couple, one, I think. Yeah. yeah. So, I the, good. so the Preds the Preds have a stockpile of defensemen loaded they up do. right now. I mean they got yeah, Jeremy Davies. They've got Jeremy Davies. They've got David Ferentz. They've got Frederick Allard. Uh Timion Chistikov. Yeah. Yep. I mean they're 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 holding true to what they've always done and what David Poyle has always done, which is he has an eye for defensemen, you know? And so uh, we're good there. Like I you feel like we're good there. We, and so we literally took three Lukes last year, the 2020 draft, and two yeah, of the Lukes right. are defensemen. So. And spe- well, speaking of the other one that's not a defenseman, I got one for you. Luke Evangelista yeah, uh, is another really good uh, offensive player that I really want to see grow in our prospect pool. I'm not saying he's going to be in the Preds lineup right away or anything like that, but I really want to see what he does in Milwaukee. Uh, yeah. I really do. Uh, this guy has got a really good knack for creating offensive pressure, for puck handling, for uh, doing the things that the Preds really need badly right now. Let's be honest. The Preds were not a team that were offensive darlings. Did they have their spurts? Did they have their moments? Yes, of course they did. You know, of course, Rocco Grimaldi scored four goals in one game. Like You've got your moments where the Preds are like, oh, man, they can pile up three or four or five goals. And if, you're, if that's the only game you're watching of the Preds the whole season – you might think, oh, the Preds are a good offensive team. For the most part, they're not. They rely they rely they rely very heavily on their defensemen to create offensive chances, a la Roman Yossi. And so uh, that's not a good formula. Like we gotta fix that a little bit. And so uh, let's talk about the power play, for instance. And so uh, Evangelista is a player that I'm very excited to see grow in this prospect pool. I want to see him to be. I want to see him be a big part of Milwaukee this coming yeah. up season. That's kind of what I'm into there. Uh, when it I, comes, to, well, go ahead, Colin. I was gonna say there's some guys I want to see just purely make the roster. One of them, I mean, the kind of the obvious one that is up in the room is Phil Tomasino. I want yeah. to see him make the roster, um, be on the fourth line. There, but Colin, do we really think there's room for him? We have to find out what happens with I think, this off season. I think there's gonna be I think there's gonna be some room made. I think in, in the next couple of uh, couple of weeks we're gonna find out if there is or not. But if not, he'll be a top line 
within the AHL. And I think that it's only going to be, you can only keep a guy that talented that down for so long. I mean, you even watching his, his world juniors experience. I mean, he's just looked incredible. Well, let's, uh, but for me, I got one more for the forwards and that'd be a uh, Igor right. Afanesiev. Yes. He, for the Russian. And then he's playing in Moscow right now with KHL, but he's, he looks good there too. And he's, and KHL don't, don't, you know, a lot of people think about KHL as a developmental, developmental league. There are it's a lot not, of former NHL. No, there are a lot of former NHLers, and there are a lot of pros over there. The KHL play, and they play rough. I mean, they, my, like, in, my, in, in my in my opinion, and I know a lot of people would agree, the KHL is the second best league in the world behind the NHL. It's it's a yeah. very very physical. Fun. It's a very physical league. There's plenty of players who choose to play in the KHL who could play in the NHL. Yeah, and the way I look at it, it's it's like a right now, like if the, if you compare like the current NBA versus like the nineties NBA where it was a lot more physical, a lot more fouls, people getting elbow in the face. Like that's right now, like the NHL is like the current NBA and the KHL is like the 1990s NBA. Like they, it's a very uh-huh. physical league. I mean, so some of those coaches get in fights. It's just, uh-huh. it's, it's, if you ever want to see some, like go, go to get some, like get a get Google translate going and go look up some articles oh, wow. in the KHL. Go look oh, up some man. articles in the KHL. Some wow. of these, some of these coaches are so shady, but at the same time, like it might be some familiar names. You're like, I remember when he played in the AHL. He's a coach now, but yeah. it's just wow. there's some interesting drama going on in the KHL. Yeah. But it's it's some fun reads. Well, and the KHL is a fun league to watch. It is like if you've yeah, got yeah. some free time, a lot of times you can stream their games. Uh, I think they get started. I think they announced that their league is going to get started in September. And yeah. so uh, we'll get we'll we'll stay focused on that. But when it, let's circle back to the Milwaukee Admirals. I cannot wait to watch them get back on the ice. Like they're yeah. going to be a really fun team to watch. There are so many prospects that we they're need really to be good. that 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 aren't going to make the NHL roster. They're not going to make the Preds roster right off the riff. But uh, once we get through training camp and we figure out who is going to be starting initially. Because of course we're not going to have these taxi squads anymore. That's kind of done with. Right. Um, uh, at least we hope so, anyway. And so uh, this AHL roster is going to be very interesting to watch. And I think yeah. I think the Admirals are going to be stacked. I really do. Oh, yeah. Exactly. I, think, I mean, all you got to do is see what the Chicago Wolves did, and and a lot of their best players were Admirals. Let's yeah. be honest. And yeah. so uh, I'm really excited. I like that you brought up Rim Pitlick, uh, Rich, because. Uh, he's a player that they just couldn't find room for really on the roster this year for the Preds because yep. you had your Nick Cousins and your Eric Hollas, your Rocco Grimaldi's and all that. So there wasn't really room for him to start regularly. But uh, he's a player that I feel like he is right there waiting in the wings to be on that NHL roster. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. Maybe uh, we'll have to wait and see what happens. I can see Rem Pitlick moving into the lineup uh, – for a player that we lose over this offseason, whether it's uh, I don't know, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. But uh, I think yeah. I think I think that uh, that Rem Pitlick is certainly a player that should be on deck right now yeah. to get in the get in the lineup. And so uh, I'm excited to see his uh, career progress. Yeah. To circle back about what you're saying about Connor Ingram, I went on the Predators website and they've got a section on there called "In the System" or whatever. Yeah. And they've got the goaltenders listed, so it shows. Six, but it's only five because Casca School is gone. Two of the other guys are in college. So we've got Devin Cooley. Yes. ECHL. We've got Connor Ingram. And then we've got Askarov, which we know he's not going to be there next year. So it really looks like they're probably going to have to go pick up somebody just to cover. I, think- I don't know what, what they're going to do, but 
just to I think Vamaka. I think Vamaka might have graduated. I think Vamaka oh, might be ready. Yeah. yeah, I think Vamaka from Connecticut, UConn, might be ready to join okay. at least the AHL or possibly, yeah, you know, if he's there. I mean, and UConn had a pretty decent season. And this so. all and this all hinges on what Pecorino does. I mean, because yeah, you know that you know they want to bring him back in a heartbeat if he's willing to. Oh yeah, I, you know. So that's that's the that's another big obvious storyline of this off season that we're not going to get an answer to right now yeah. or a- any time particularly soon we'll figure it out soon enough yeah. but uh so that's yeah. kind of why we're that's why i keep saying we're kind of stuck in the dead period right now of the off season for the preds yeah. there's just not a lot of movement but mm-hmm. uh when it comes to these prospects we have a lot to be excited about uh like i said i'm really excited about the milwaukee admirals getting back on the ice and uh i can't wait to see some of our uh growing prospects uh play for the admirals and uh i, I will say that uh our prospect pool has yeah. me i'm I haven't been this confident in the prospect pool in a long time. Like I feel really good about what they're building from down below, which is really what it comes down to. To build a Stanley Cup contending team, you can't just do it by making these flashy trades in the offseason. You've got to have a good prospect pool. You've got to build it from within. And I do think the Preds are starting to do that long process of that. And so we'll see if we start seeing some of the rewards from that. Uh, this coming up season. I do think we saw some of those rewards last season. I don't think we make the playoffs if some of these prospects didn't play the way they did. We definitely wouldn't have made the playoffs. So uh, they already reaped some of the rewards for us this past season. So uh, we'll see if that continues into next season. That's a big part of what we can do next season. And so we'll have to wait and see. So that's kind of how we feel about the prospects. We're going to round out this episode with two really quick hitters. Let's start with this real quick. Uh, how are we feeling right now about the John Hines and how he got a couple votes for uh, the uh, Jack Adams Award, which is for the best coach? Of course, uh, Rod Burndamar of the uh, Canadian, uh, not the Canadians, the uh, Carolina Hurricanes, uh, <laughs> got the award. Which, uh, as much crap as we've given him for whining to the officials, he did deserve it. He is he has been a great coach for them. He has built that the team, team up. Loves playing for him too. Yes, I have yeah, no yeah. problem whatsoever with him winning the award. So we'll get that out of the I, way. I found but, it uh, weird as far as Hines. It yes. was just the thing is like yes, it was a great turnaround, great story to see the team that was pretty much a second to last and, and treading water had a point. Uh, it was like a point seven chance making the playoffs. But I think more credit of that goes to UC. I mean. Yes, his system, they've really kind of bought into it, but system's kind of ill-defined. It's its a very – I put it more on UC Soros and the way he played, especially you look at our, the numbers, the sheer numbers. UC Soros is the reason, I, w- I will say. I mean, yes, we had some guys that scored some clutch goals and some key moments, but we weren't blowing anybody out. We were staying in games because UC can Soros. I, uh, so can I play devil's I can advocate? For that. Can I play devil's can. advocate? Can. Real quick. I'm going to play devil's advocate. I'm not saying I completely right. disagree with you, but I, I got to do this. Do we do we need to give uh, credit to Heinz's system somewhat for playing better in front of Soros to allow him to make some of those critical saves? Somewhat. I would say somewhat, but I'm not – not a lot. I would say I would go 80% Soros, 20% John Heinz. All right. That's fair. Mm. All right. But when it comes to the Jack Adams voting race – I almost I mean, Trotsky, feel like it, I Trotsky almost feel like oh he got so disrespected. But I almost feel like it was like, you know what, Heinz, whoever voted for him, or I don't know exactly how the voting system works, I'll be honest. We know he's got but, friends uh, in the league. <laughs> I mean, it, it almost was just like, okay, you know what? We're gonna give you these courtesy votes because you did somehow 
despite the uh, crazy odds that you weren't going to make the playoffs, somehow you got this team into the playoffs. <laughs> so we're going to throw you some votes. And uh, so I think that's kind of what it came down to. Uh, you saw some of these coaches on this list, and I'm sorry, Hines shouldn't have been in there uh, as far mm-hmm. as getting votes, second-place votes or whatever. And so uh, I do think Hines uh, earned himself a uh, full season yeah. uh, to, 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 to figure this out. And I think Rich has brought this up a lot. Uh, where uh, Rich uh, and you can expand on this, you basically said that let's give this guy a chance here. Like let's give yeah. him a full season outside of COVID and outside of uh, starting the season as the head coach after Laviolette got fired, and then he comes in and gets him to the qualifiers. And yeah, they they lay a dud in the qualifiers, but then they come into this past season, and then you got COVID. It's a fifty-six game season with taxi squads and guys getting hurt left and right. Let's give the let's give Hines, Coach Hines, a full season. Let's see what he can do in an eighty-two game normal season, and then we then we will reset and figure out where this team's at. Is that kind of where you're at, Rich? Yeah, I I totally agree. He he at least deserves the one more season, and that's what I've always said. And then past that, you know, we'll see what happens. But I was I was actually glad to see him get a couple of votes because I don't know I kind of lump it all together like. I know like Soros is amazing and and obviously tons of credit goes to him, but I just kind of see with the coach being the head of the team and he finally got these guys. It seemed like just to me from just looking at it, that they were all all over the place and couldn't like just get a cohesive gel going. And it seems like it just, he just pulled it together and like he, he did something that was like, it's, it's almost impossible. I mean, if you look at it, like that's, that's a huge run. And had they, had a little bit more luck, they would have been in the second well, round of the playoffs. So and, I think he deserves. I think he deserves a little more credit than people giving. But and like to I'm your, still, and, yeah. and to your and to your and to your point, Rich, if this team didn't have the mental fortitude in the locker room to handle that, right. they would have fallen apart. They right. would they they would have been right down there with the Red Wings. Yeah, and the Columbus Blue Jackets. As far yeah. as and let, let's let's compare it to the Columbus Blue Jackets, who fell apart. Yeah. The pre- you know, they, they kind of hit a crossroads. These two teams hit crossroads here in the season. Yeah. And guess which team ended up caving? It was the Columbus yeah. Blue Jackets. Guess and what the Preds the did? The Preds went on this crazy run. And guess what? They made the playoffs. Yeah, they lost in the first round, and we're sick of that. And we're tired of seeing this team fail in the playoffs. I get all that. But they did make the playoffs, and they did show us something here. And so yeah. there is uh, some uh, credence to that. And, of course, uh Let's talk about how broken this locker room was when Laviolette was fired, and Hines had to come in there and mm-hmm. uh, and settle things down. And I do feel like the players respect Hines from an outsider looking in. Yeah. I do see yeah. that. I do think that he has a very disciplined locker room. What it comes down to is maybe talent. Maybe it's the talent that's the problem. The pure talent is the problem mm-hmm. with this team. We've been saying this for for a while now, for years even. That the yeah. talent is there for this team to win a Stanley Cup. Were we yeah. maybe maybe that's not the case. We'll find out. But uh, if you look at if you just look at like them just to even what they did to get there, and then how far they pushed what was supposedly one of the best teams in the NHL. Supposedly, yeah, and then <laughs> what happened? You know, the next round. But I will say, I, I, I like that he I like Hines, and I do think he deserves the one more year. But like. Some of his decisions during the season were very frustrating. Obviously, the lineups, you know, we were like, what are you doing? What are you thinking? 
you know, and, and once again, I'm, you know, we're not the coach, so we really don't know what yeah. he's thinking, but you know, I will put that caveat in there. I like him, but I did question some of the things he's doing. Yeah, of course. Yeah. All right. So let, let's, let's go to our last uh, quick hitter of episode 52 of the Catfish and Ice podcast. This is Chad Minton with Rich Howe and Colin Bluen. Go follow us on all social media accounts uh, at Catfish Ice on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And, of course, we are part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Go download the DraftKings Sportsbook app if you haven't already and use our promo code THPN. All you got to do is bet a dollar on an NBA team that's left in the NBA playoffs, and you can win $100 in free site credits if the NBA team of your choosing wins. You've got four teams left, just like in the NHL playoffs. And so a lot of excitement there. We just came out of a great sports weekend, and so there's not a better time to go get the DraftKings Sportsbook app if you haven't already. Sons and four. Sons and four. Sons <laughs> there and four. we go. All right, there we go, yeah. All right, let, let's get to our last quick topic here. And that is, let's just go ahead and round out what we're thinking about these uh, NHL playoffs real quick. And, of course, we I mean, it's not disappointing. Let's, let's, let's preface by that. These playoffs have not disappointed whatsoever. Of course, unless you want to talk about game five tonight. Oh, that's a game or a scrimmage. The Tampa, Bay Light, the Tampa Bay Lightning not only scored a touchdown, but they went ahead and got the two-point conversion. Yeah, they're up eight. No, they're up eight. No, they they're up eight nothing on the New York Islanders. Uh, as that game comes to a close, uh, rough stuff there. Forty shots on goals right now. Uh, the Islanders only have seventeen shots on goal. So um, we'll have to see what kind of uh, mental fortitude the Islanders have when they come back home. Good thing is these goals are not aggregate. They don't uh-huh. count to the next game. <laughs> So uh, if you're the Islanders, you better quickly wash this game away and uh, and, and look at it this way. You got to win two games to get to the Stanley Cup now. Yeah. You've already beaten them twice. They're you not invincible. It. Even though Vasilevsky is an outstanding goaltender, in my opinion, he's the world's best goaltender. And uh, the the I know I know Rich can't stand the Tampa Bay Lightning. I know he's fuming over there. I, I think that after I just started this segment in the last like thirty seconds, Rich's face has gotten more red. Like he is, I see smoke. I see smoke coming out of Rich's ears right now. But uh, I, I, his hatred for the Lightning. It is so hard for me to watch them, and I love watching yeah. hockey, and I love why I like the Islanders. And I just—it's just so hard for me to watch those guys. There. So up. I mean, look, let's look at this box score. Give credit. Let's, Give let's, credit. Look, let's look at this box score. Kaloran's got two goals for the Lightning in this game. Uh, Stamkos has two goals. You've got uh, Kucherov has three assists. I mean, I mean, they're just stacking the box score it's, at this point. The shot, the I shots mean, on goal is forty to seventeen. Yeah, it's just like off. I mean, Braid Braid points got two points. I mean, it's just this team is really is stacked though. Oh, and so. That are you, me. Are you kidding me? Another goal for the Lightning. Wow. And they're all fighting. Oh, I, wanted God, to ask you, I wanted to ask you guys real quick. You can just chime in real fast. Everybody knows that Tampa Bay, they, they had the rules about the, the long-term injury reserve, and they're like $15 million over the salary cap. What is your what is your guys' opinion about that? What do you think? Shouldn't have been allowed to do it. Yeah, easy, league, easy answer. You know, on that one. they knew what they were doing, they, and, and the league knows they know what they were doing, and they still allowed it to happen. It's bull. It's it's BS. But I agree. Let's circle. At this let's, point, I'm 
I'm a Canadians fan at this point. You know? well, let's circle. Let's circle back. Let's circle back to the to the other side of the bracket, and let's talk about the uh, the Canadians and the Golden Knights. That series is also tied two to two. Yep. And the Golden Knights, the the big theme of this series, and I hate to see it, is the officiating. It's been uh-huh. bad. Uh, most people are saying that the officiating has okay. been worse, and it's leaned it lent itself way more towards the favor of the Golden Knights. Um, I don't know if that's so much true. I can't let my bias get into it because I can't I stand just, the Golden Knights. I, I think, think it's bad officiating across the board. Exactly. Yeah. I'm right there with you, Rick, uh, Colin. I'm right there with you. I mean, it's it does seem like some really bad calls have gone in the favor of or the no Golden calls. Knights. Or no yeah. calls in that regard. And so I hate that that's even the point of conversation. But, um, it, I mean, it's the Golden Knights are one of those teams where, I mean – Let's look at it here. I mean, the uh, Flurry had that horrible uh, misstep where he gave up that goal. Let's be honest. This series should be three one right now in favor of Vegas if that doesn't happen. Yeah, I mean, and so uh, the Canadians kind of have a new life here. They're tied two to two going into Game Five. Uh, you know, they're going into that crazy atmosphere in Vegas, and um, I'm sorry. Uh, call me, call me a, a guy who's calling chalk right now, um, but I don't, I don't see how we're not on a collision course right now for Vegas and Tampa, which is probably what the league would love to see. Let's be honest, the league would love to see that. I think ratings wise, that's going to go through the roof because you've got a defending champ going against Vegas, and yep. you've got star power galore. You've got Flurry, you've got Mark Stone, you got Pacioretty, you've got all these great, you've got all these players on Vegas, and then of course we know how uh, Tampa Bay is stacked. You've got Braden Point, who is one of my favorite players actually to watch. Uh, you've got uh, Vasilevsky, who is arguably the best goaltender in the world. I mean, I it, it's got, that. it's got, it's got the tail of the tape of a heavyweight matchup. As much as we want to see the other two teams make it, as Preds fans, I'm sorry. I think we're on a collision course for Tampa Bay and Vegas. Yeah. I feel bad for um, – so when they – you know, they started uh, Robin Leonard last night. Yeah. Flurry, and, like, he w- he did a press conference, and he was, like – he was saying, I use Twitter as fuel to uh, – <laughs> uh, Robin Leonard's like all of us. <laughs> yeah. And he, he's, like, he's, like – He's like, even my, even our own fans were against, you know, me being – And he made 27 saves on 28 shots. <clears throat> I mean, give him credit. Well, he got him. Uh, the win. I mean, you know, yeah. it was an overtime win, but he got him the win. I was like, "He's up, other dude, man. Come on!" But I do like Flurry a lot. He's, I do like those two guys, but it pains it pains me to see it. And I think that my mindset is like Vegas. Those players didn't ask to play for Vegas. Like they're they're still good guys. I just they, there are certain parts of Vegas fan base. I'm like they're they're nice. Like we've been there. They're learning hockey. They're excited. did anyone uh did any- there? Well, I was gonna say then there's some insufferable Vegas fans, and so well, did it- that makes it tough. Did anyone see? We were talking earlier. We opened the episode talking about uh, Suns guy in four and all uh, fan fights in the crowd. Did anyone see that video that went viral where the Vegas fans were trashing those uh, oh, those Colorado Avalanche? Avalanche? They yeah. took his flag or whatever, yeah. and then the one guy went up the steps to get it back, and then all these Vegas fans came out of nowhere. It was like a freaking uh, they just like ganged up on this poor guy who just wanted his flag back, and of yeah. course it yeah. got out of hand, and it's like. It's stuff like that. And we're not saying that there's not knuckleheads in the Preds fan base because nah, yeah. that's not true. I can promise you I've been to plenty of Preds games in Bridgestone Arena where I've been embarrassed by some of my fellow fans who treat 
opposing pa- fans uh, poorly. And I don't agree with any of it. I don't care what yeah. fan you're a team of. Uh, stop some of this crap because it's getting old. Yeah. But uh, I think that's a lot of things with the Vegas hate right now is people are just sick of it. Um, but when it comes to on paper, I'm sorry, it's a heavyweight matchup. What I'm really hoping for just as a greedy fan is that both fi- uh, both conference finals go to game seven because yeah. the hockey game sevens are the best ever. Yes, and then and then if it's got to be Vegas and Tampa, uh, I don't want to see a repeat champion, but I would love to exactly. see. Uh, I'd real, I'd love to see Tampa take Vegas out to the woodshed and just uh, whoop them. I'm sorry, nope. that's where nope. I'm at nope. with it. Nope. All right, nope. I, I, I can't. It, it pains me to say it, but I'd rather see Vegas. All win. right, well let's see me what too. happens. Hey, Canadians are not dead in the water. Neither neither of the Islanders. So we'll see what happens. Coach. We will see what happens. All I can say is these Stanley Cup playoffs, they have not disappointed. They have been outstanding. This yep. is why we love this is why we love hockey right here. It's because of this. And so um yeah. But next year we got to look forward to everything should be back to normal, normal, normal conferences, you know, the whole the whole nine yards. So except we get Arizona now. <laughs> except we get Arizona yeah, now. Of course, but, yeah. Yeah. We've so, got uh we've got uh, some comments here real quick. Real quick, we got some comments on the thread before we get out of here. Um, we got a uh, Max Greenberg again came in here and said anyone but Vegas. So he's right there on board with me on that one. Uh, give Hell me no. give, give me anyone but Vegas. I'm right there with you, Max. Uh, and then uh, Mike Twitter got on here and said uh, you got to thank those ass fans entice them though waving a flag on the road like that. Yeah, but why can't you go on the road? And uh, and uh, show your fandom. I mean, I, I mean, can tell Fred's you, I've been, do it all the time. Fred's and one of the Carolina. Most, and one of the most fun fun things I like to do is I love to go to opposing uh, stadiums and wear my team's gear. As long I'm not I'm respect as long as you're being respectful and you're yeah. not like yeah. uh, hurling Nothing like tons of, tons of like slurs at people and being a jackass. I don't think there's any problem with with uh, with. Uh, throwing out your team's colors and, and waving a flag. I thought the Vegas fans were completely out of line on that video that I saw there. And of course, context matters. We don't know what happened yeah, before and after. True. So I'm not, I'm not putting, property, though. yeah, that's I'm not putting any, like, don't, I'm take not, yeah, property. don't take someone's flag like that. That's just ridiculous. But um, anyway, all right. So one more thing before we get out of here, of course, as you see, I'm wearing my Vandy polo tonight, Vandy lost other uh, first game of the college world series. So this episode is actually really good uh, therapy for me. Cause I didn't have to think about the loss. And so uh, I get to think about the Preds and how they lost. So it's just great here for me, but um, yeah. So uh, we've got some good sports things going on right now. Uh, we're, uh, we're in the off season here and we can't wait for uh, the Preds news to start trickling in as we get into July. Uh, we've got a on down the pipe. We've got a full episode dedicated to the NHL draft. We're going to uh, talk about some uh, prospects in this draft class that we want the Preds to target. As we get closer to the draft, we're still about a month away from the draft, so uh, we'll save that for a future episode. But we uh, we appreciate all of our listeners and followers for uh, tuning in every week. We'll get back to two. Ep- we're going to get back to two episodes a week once the uh, season starts getting ramped back up and the calendar gets ramped back up. We got some bonus episodes coming down the pipe as well. And also, we've got some really good guests we're working on to get for the podcast as well. So uh, thanks for uh, tuning in to episode 52 of the Catfish and Ice podcast with uh, Chad Mitten, Rich Howe, and Colin Lewin. We hope everyone has a great rest of their week and enjoys all the sports that are going on, enjoys their summers, and we will see you next week for episode 53.
Everyone take care. I'm Richie Suave Flores. And this is Sporty with Corey and Richie Suave. On the Hockey Podcast Network. What did I just listen to? Oh, this game. This game is, this game is just bullshit now. Oh my gosh. I actually, they actually made me feel uncomfortable. What was it? Panty what? The game has gone to bullshit. Panty melted? Why do we record these during the middle of games? Oh, God. Be sure to listen to Corey and I every Monday. We are your go-to source for the Arizona Coyotes on the Hockey Podcast Network.